Hello everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode of Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. My name is Will and I am joined once again by Mel. How are you going, Mel? I'm good. How are you? I am very well, thank you. And today we are talking the reigning premiers, the Melbourne Demons. What a season it was for them last season. Mel, give us a bit of insight into how the Demons went. Oh, what a team to be talking about. So, I mean, we've got the premiers here. They had an amazing season seven. They uh, finished a home and away season 9-1, only losing to Brisbane. So very impressive. They've been inching close to that premiership over the last few seasons, so great to see they finally got one. They they have a similar squad coming into season eight, so I think we can expect equally or close to equally high things. The the big move here is, of course, their skipper Daisy Pierce uh, retiring. Other than that, they've got a couple of exciting ins. We've got Amy Mackin from Ireland, who is the sister of Blaith Mackin, uh, who played last season, as well as uh, Georgia Fowler coming over from GWS. So pretty tight-knit group other than that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that we can just say, oh, there's only one small out, <laughs> arguably the biggest name in women's <laughs> football history in Daisy Pierce. Um, big shoes to fill in Kate Hoare, who has been announced as the captain. Um, mm. But yeah. They were flying last season, and it really was a, a really good way for them to, to finish on, a, on such a high note. Uh, and we were very, very lucky. We actually got the chance to sit down with one of these premiership players, a player who I was devastated to see leave Geelong in Liv Purcell. Fantastic player, all-Australian. Sit back and listen to this and hear all about the premiers. It's fantastic to listen to. Enjoy. Let's just jump right into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, today, we are very, very privileged to have a superstar premiership player from the Melbourne Demons. It is Liv Purcell. Liv, how are you going? Good, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. I'm keen to have a chat and get into it. No, we're very, very glad to have you on board. Um, so I guess the first question we like asking is, how's the preseason going? Bit of a, a longer preseason, and I, I suppose for you guys, it's a, a bit different because you're coming off premiership success. Yeah, for sure. Um Actually, it was actually quite nice to have a bit of a break, um, especially when we had that two seasons mm. in one last year. So, yeah, much needed break. Obviously enjoyed um, celebrating um, the premiership and then, yeah, just had some time to go away. And, yeah, the girls were pretty motivated to keep training and get back into it from, I reckon, February. So, yeah, it's just been building from there and, yeah, just a bigger preseason, which is what you like anyway. So it's nice to just build and... Um, not feel like you have to rush to get into some really good form. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that's great. And obviously you must be thrilled with with winning the flag, but has that really affected the lead up into this season? Has there been a, a different vibe knowing that you're coming in, I suppose, as the hunted, not the hunter? Yeah, obviously really awesome. Like that's what you play to, that's what you play for. So, um, but honestly, I feel like it's um, got girls more motivated. Um, yeah, especially the girls that missed out. Um, through injury and stuff, they've been the ones that have been pushing um, this year's preseason and standards. But I think it just makes the girls more excited, just being like, "Well, um, see it as an opportunity just to keep raising the bar and get better." So yeah, I, I would say it's more viewed that way. Yeah, for sure. And well, obviously, going back to back is something that you're all aiming towards this season. What sort of goals and expectations have you, as a club, sort of set going into this new season? Yeah, well, we haven't really, um, like, had too much talk about going back-to-back. I'll never really try and, um, you know, have those 
sort of conversations. It's more just in that phase of like how, you know, um, yourself as a player can um, be better than we, you were last year. Like how, what areas um, of your game did you need to improve on to be better for this year? It's more it's more that um, focus like on, on the individual, what you need to do better. And then as a team aspect, like what we were lacking in our games, like how can we make our offense, our defense, all that sort of stuff better. Mm. So it's never really mm. like that outcome goal it's more like that um yeah the process of like individually and um as a team where we need to get i don't know probably like five percent better at Mm. least yeah absolutely and i suppose you're talking about those you know individual um efforts to improve you yourself had a a very very good season last season uh, all australian i guess it must have been a bit of a vindication for requesting the trade to the d's and can you just tell us a bit for those who don't know a bit about your move from your hometown of Geelong to the Demons a few years ago? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I started at um, Geelong. I think I spent three years there, so I got drafted there as an 18-year-old. Yeah, from Geelong. So I played at Geelong Falcons, so I got drafted. It was good just being at home and um, sort of transitioning out of school and then getting to play footy in your hometown. Um, That was a really good transition. Yeah, spent three years at Geelong and then it sort of came around that time I did my ACL and then it was sort of a weird time doing the ACL and then COVID, like it was like the peak of COVID happening. No one really knew what was going on. Um, So it was just that sort of time. And then I just was sort of at the end of my contract and was reflecting a little bit and I just felt like, um, I don't know, I was just ready for a change and... Mm. Yeah, something different for my development. And I don't know whether it's, yeah, just being spent, maybe that COVID spending all that time at home, like every day just stuck in the house. I was just like, I just feel like I need something different. Um, So that's probably what sparked it a little bit. Um, But in terms of that, Geelong was really great for my development as an 18-year-old and being able to like get straight in and playing games and getting exposed to playing against the best players. But, um, yeah, my last couple of years at Melbourne, I feel like I've really been challenged and, um, yeah, just, I've just really loved it and just, yeah, the way the girls push you and the coaches, it's it's really good. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, feeling cooped up and wanting a new challenge was something a lot of people can relate to regarding, mm-hmm. you know, the COVID years. So it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess coming over from the D's, you had a really excellent season in 2020 with the Cats, won the best and fairest, your first All-Australian selection. And then, as you mentioned, the unfortunate ACL injury. Was it was it a bit of a strange thing moving over to the D's, who have always been quite a successful club, coming off that knee? And did you have a lot of like personal pressure, I suppose, to continue to perform? Or was it more about you know getting the, the body right and getting back out on the field? So how did you really manage your own expectations there? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I I guess I never really put um, too much pressure on myself. I, I have high standards on myself, but I, yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, making the move, um, coming off an injury, I was like, okay, well, I wasn't really, I don't think I was really expecting to play that first season A. Mm, yeah, yeah, season that, six, I think. <laughs> yeah, season, yeah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> that year with um, Melbourne. So there was, and they never really put pressure on me to, mm like come back and play. So I was like, okay, like that's cool. I can just go through rehab, focus on that and just like support the new club I'm at. So never felt um, pressure from that point. But then, yeah, I came back 
um, I think late in the season and played finals and I was like, oh, that that was nice. Like I never really had that in mind. I was sort of just like I want to get my knee right and maybe, you know, feel good for the next season. But, yeah, in terms of that, never really felt pressure on myself. Just was excited to be at a new club and meet new people and, yeah, just get amongst it really. So that was sort of in the back of my mind, uh, like not really in my mind at all. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, season seven saw you return to some of your your genuinely best footy. Um, once again, all Australian selection, which which must feel really nice coming into a, a strong team. But what I'm quite interested interested to hear about is you joined Eliza West and Tyler Hanks in that young core midfield. Was it an interesting feeling to be part of such a young midfield group, considering the success of Melbourne and also taking over from some club legends such as Karen Paxman and Daisy Pierce in the middle? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's pretty It's pretty cool. Like, I love playing along um, those two, especially, um, well, Hanksy and I played together at Vic Country. So we had, oh, yeah. I'm familiar with, like, how she played and always enjoyed playing alongside her. Westy was obviously a new one, but, yeah, it just sort of, I feel like it just gelled really well and just, mm. it was just, like like you said, just fresh and something new. So it was um, good to have just a different dynamic in the midfield in terms of, like, Paxi and Daisy, like being the players that they are, they could have easily just been like, oh no, we're <laughs> we're playing, yeah. we're playing in this position. Like we've been here from the start. Like been, they've probably both been like pioneers for AFLW. But like that just shows how like they're both so selfless. Like especially Paxi, she was just yeah sacrificed, especially that year, sacrificed being like, oh, I'll play in the wing or like lately being playing that half forward even though she's like a what, five-time All-Australian yeah. or something. Like, oh, no, you guys you guys have a go. Like, she has no ego and just wants what's best for the team. So, yeah, that's really cool um, yeah. to see. And, yeah, that that I really respect that from her. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's hard to talk about Bob without talking about the great Daisy Pearce. And that was obviously one of the big stories to come out of the grand final triumph last year. So I guess... The first thing I want to ask regarding Daisy Pierce was, was there a lot of Daisy Pierce focus internally before or after the grand final? Or were you trying to keep it as a sort of a side storyline? How did that sort of play out within the club? Yeah, obviously um, everyone like internally, we have so much respect for Daisy and um, yeah, just more beyond her as a player and a leader, like everybody loves her as a person, but I don't think, she never really likes to make things about herself and like her focus is always on like what we achieved as a team. So yeah, just again, like she's a person with no ego and just wants it to make, make it about um, the experience we shared together, not um, what she did. So she, yeah. she's probably yeah. was the biggest one on that front being like, it's not about me, it's about us as a team. So yeah, that, that was really what she's done for the club and AFLW. Yeah, of course. And I guess the other side of things is, as you said, she's such a, a fantastic leader, um, has been captain of the club for the entire time. Who have you noticed that's sort of been stepping in to, to fill those leadership holes? And has there been any internal discussions as to who could be replacing Daisy as captain? Because those are some some pretty big shoes to fill. Mm, yeah, for sure. Like, um, yeah, Daisy's pretty unique and, um, yeah, pretty cool person, well, very well-rounded. But, I mean, I think... We sort of have a young, quite a young sort of list, sort of team, I feel, quite mm-hmm. young. Um, but I think, I, f- I feel like as you saw last year, Kate was stepping into that vice-captaincy mm-hmm. role. So, yeah, I think she's sort of been 
um, taking the straps um, this year and she's been doing really well. Like it's, a, it's sort of been seamless because she hasn't changed to fit that role or fit that mould. Um, and, yeah, I sort of think we know she's not Daisy Pierce, but she's Kate Hoare and she has mm. her own way of doing things. And, um, yeah, she's she's a true professional and just like the way she goes about things is is really cool. So she's, I'd say she's more of an action-based leader and, um, yeah, I really appreciate what she does. So I feel like she's probably one that's coming up the ranks and, yeah, just the usual su- uh, suspects, I reckon, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I have to ask, because last time we asked an interviewee whether they were in the uh, the captaincy discussions, they ended up getting it. So have you thrown your hat in for, for the Melbourne captaincy? <laughs> nah, no, it's not really, um, it's not really something. I, I feel like I've only, like still second, well, what is it? Uh, second year, third season. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sort of just like happy to, you know, um, yeah, just like be at the club, like just enjoy being at the mm. club still. And like, I feel like 22, I still feel like there's kind of a journey and getting to know myself still. Um, but it's not really something that has <laughs> been at the front of my mind. I'm sort of happy just trying to still figure out the player I am and the person I am. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe in a few years time, but yeah, it's not really something that is of interest to me just yet. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And I suppose lastly on Daisy Pierce leaves a big hole in that forward line. You've obviously got some really talented players in there, such as um, Kate Hoare, who you mentioned. Um, but has there been any discussion who's going to sort of slot into that forward line role or is it a classic, you know, it's going to be filled by a few different players? Yeah, I mean, it hasn't really changed too much. Like um, obviously Daisy was really good 1v1 holding out that space um, and like she could play anywhere really. But, um, yeah, I mean, it hasn't affected us too much. I, look, I don't really know who will play her role, mm. but uh, I, I feel like we have a lot of great um, forwards, like especially our young ones like Benno and Fitzy are having a really good preseason. And, um, yeah, I feel like they're going to be strong for us in the forward line this year. But, yeah, I think if it's, if we, as long as we have a mix of our key forwards and small forwards, um, I think we should be fine in yeah. that area. And I guess that's one of the, the benefits of being a premiership list is you usually get there on the back of strong squad depth and having some pretty good players. So it probably makes a lot yeah. of sense that anyone can really fill that role. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely important. Yeah. Cause you can sort of notice, um, yeah, if someone's missing, but I feel like we've been doing pretty well this preseason or have, I haven't really noticed anything as I'm going kicking into the forward line or something. <laughs> I feel like they do pretty good. <laughs> For sure. Um, I suppose as a final question, um, who have you seen that's been sort of tearing up the track this preseason and looks set for a big breakout year in 2023? We know you've just come off a flag, so it's pretty hard to to break into the team, but is there anyone that's really caught your eye so far this year? Um, oh, that's a good one. I feel like, yeah, it just always feels like oh, all the girls really push high standards, which is great, but um, it would be really good to have players like obviously Lizzie back and Gabby Colvin um, and like Ray Watt, those sort of girls pushing to try and get a spot back in the mm. team as well. That would be really good to see them, like, obviously missing out on a premiership. Um, you'd hope, yeah, their, their drive and their hunger is um, so good and helping us as a team. Um, but, yeah, as I mentioned before, like, uh, Fitzy as a small forward, I think she's she's always really training really well and setting high standards and 
um, down the back, you've got like Maeve Chaplin and Talia Gillard just taking their game to another level mm. as like, mm. just maturing in their body and like what it takes to be professional. So, yeah, I'm excited for all those like younger ones. I think a year, like the year older you get, the more just exposure and yeah, professional you get. So I, it would be good for those ones. I think they'll be doing well. But yeah, as a as a unit, I feel like everyone's sort of standing out. <laughs> yeah. So well, I guess we don't really well. know till we start playing. But um, everyone's <laughs> looking pretty consistent. But the young ones, I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited for. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's a bit of a, a warning to the rest of the competition that apparently Melbourne's flying and looking like they're going to just keep improving. So can't really right. do much better I, I, than that. Yeah, no, no complaints. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's good. It's good fun. But you get to that time where you're sort of like, all right, I'm ready to start playing soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving us some insight into the, the reigning premiers and good luck for the season ahead. Oh, thanks so much, Will. Appreciate it. No worries. Well, there you go. Fantastic to talk to an absolute superstar of the game. A player who, for me, she's won a premiership to all Australians, somehow still manages to fly a bit under the radar. But yeah, fantastic to talk to. And she's going to be a fantasy option for a lot of players because she is the highest average scoring mid for Melbourne. Yeah, she is. And she's she's got the pedigree. And last season was her first one coming off a fairly major knee injury and still came back looking like the absolute superstar we know she is. So mm-hmm. definitely one to consider. But we're not talking about... Uh, Liv Purcell just yet, because we have Mel. You're next. Five to one, top five, one, two, three, four, fives, whatever we call them. Give us your number one. Okay, number one, we got Paxi. Has to be Paxi. I can see Paxi is already very highly owned uh, in the games, which is exciting. Lots of other people are also frothing Paxi. So the I think the summary of the first couple I'm going to give here is that Melbourne is really exciting because of the positions that some of these players are listed at when we compare to last season or between the two two games. But I'm mostly coming at this from last season. So Karen Paxman, when I was playing Moreira's Magic game last season, wasn't one I gave a whole lot of consideration to having in my team because she was listed as a midfielder. She was in the top 20-ish or so midfielders at the end of season seven, but you've got 18 other elites that you're probably going to pick instead. However, however... When we come into season eight, she is listed as a forward. She is the highest averaging forward for Melbourne and she is the second highest averaging forward in the game as a whole, in the uh, official game here, only coming behind Randall. So you've got here someone that has great potential, great scoring, uh, great consistency. She knows a lot about the footy. Uh, sorry, she knows a lot about footy. <laughs> she knows, knows a about, about a lot about the, footy, about as the well. footy as well, I'm sure. <laughs> So I'm seeing here awesome fantasy value so that you can have a uh, Chockers uh, F1. Yeah, I think she's one of the few players that's been All-Australian. She's been All-Australian six times, so she clearly knows how to play the game, knows how to get the ball, and it's super exciting that she is listed as a forward because, as you say, Mel, 75 averaging midfielder, uh, not that interesting. 75 <laughs> averaging forward, that's super interesting. Now we're and yeah. we know that she will be pretty much always around the ball, which is fantastic. I guess the only thing for me, and I'm going to put on my Liam hat here, is that she is getting further and further into Korea, definitely in the twilight of Korea now. 75 was quite clearly her lowest average in quite a while. So there is 
a bit of a concern, I suppose, that she's starting to trend downwards, but I think that you're still likely to get an average somewhere between 65 and 70, which is going to put her in the top handful of forwards regardless. So I don't yeah. think it's a particularly risky pick, even with that caveat. Yeah, I don't think, like in some of the previous episodes, uh, the players that I was giving here, especially I just think of Hawthorne, the, the most recent episode, a lot of the top few players are this person's a great opportunity to go 10 plus points, 10 plus points. Here, you're picking Karen Paxman not because she's going to go 10 plus points, but because she is c- consistent and she's good. And we know that she can potentially go higher, but she's got the offset of having played a long time and age, but she is a, she will be a consistently good F1. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But the player that I'm more interested in is the player mm. that I've picked as my F1 in both of my teams. Yes. And is the incoming skipper, Mel, number two. It's got to be Kate Hall. Um, definitely a soft spot for Kate Hall. She was my F1 for a long time last season as a good differentiator as well. I will like to say that in that I Live Purcell uh, interview, you're asking about who, you know, who's going to replace Daisy Pierce. And it's like, oh, you know, Kate coming up the ranks. Was that r- recorded before the announcement? That was. So I, I remember Juicy. hearing that and thinking, well, I've just got the answer, but I can't tell anyone about it because I'll sound <laughs> crazy. But I knew that Kate Hall was coming in to be the skipper about... I think it was a week or two before the official announcement. Oh, that is. And I, we're just giving it to the fans now. <laughs> but they already know it now, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, so got incoming captain Kate Hall. Super exciting. Taking over from Daisy Pierce. And there is also a trend here in that she is the second highest averaging forward for Melbourne as my second pick for Melbourne. And she is the fourth, fourth highest averaging forward in the game. So, the question around this, though, for me is that will she get more mid-time or are they kind of looking for uh, a strong forward leader to replace a strong forward leader and therefore maybe not so much mid-time? However, she has been consistently highly owned, consistently highly scoring. I think either way she's a she's a safe pick for your F1 or your F2, depending on if you if you go for a Hall and a Randall-Paxman combo or more likely just F1 for Hall. Yeah, and that's why I was super interested in picking her because... A lot of players, we see that they move into the midfield, get a lot more time, but when they go forward, it's not as fantastic for their scoring. That's something that we've noticed, particularly with a player like Kalinda Howarth at Gold Coast. Mm. But for Kate Hoare, she kicks goals and scores well wherever she's playing, which makes her a really safe pick for mine. I'm hoping that with the captaincy, it means that she grows as a player, continues to score well, and maybe maybe does boost that average. But I think you can pretty comfortably bank another 70-ish average um, from Kate Hoare. I think she will improve, but even if she doesn't, I think you're picking her because you know she'll be a good scorer. And while we're here, just uh, given that my first two have been the number one forward for Melbourne and the number two forward for Melbourne, be uh, priced at 75 and 71, the number three forward for Melbourne is Taylor Harris, priced at 67, who's the seventh highest fo- uh, averaging forward in the game. She's also a great pick. I'm not deliberately shouting her out here as my 2.5 per se, but I mean, Melbourne have a stack of uh, highly averaging forwards that any of them would be great to pick, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm assuming that most of the coaches out there will probably know most of these names, but Taylor Harris is one that I think that pretty much everyone knows. So, yeah, yeah, as, as you say, Mel, uh, an absolutely stacked forward line up there for for the Ds. But you're number three. We're going to the back line now. We're not really uh, got much more to talk about in that forward line for now. Who is your number three? So Maddie Gay is a, a name that I've not heard a lot about previous to this season. And when I was thinking about why, it's kind of similar to the the idea of having mid, 
midfielders listed as forwards in this game that we've kind of spoken a little bit about before. Um, looks like she's played historically a variety of roles, bit of full forward in 2021 and then um, centre half back in season seven. But she has been listed. Ah, she, that's right. She was listed, I believe, as a midfielder previously in the yes. old Moravis Magic season. So amongst all of the uh, the other midfielders, she wasn't a name I was paying close attention to. Now, though, she's listed as a defender, um, which is great and probably a more uh, accurate reflection of her most recent roles. So suddenly she's very exciting. She's priced at 60 and she is Melbourne's number one defender with a fairly substantial gap uh, of uh, an average of eight points to then Melbourne's next highest average defender of uh, Libby Birch. So she's up there in terms of uh, scoring potential. Yeah, so we've got Melbourne, not only do they have three of the top seven listed forwards, but they've also got the third highest averaging defender in their team. You've just got so much awesome, awesome stuff to pick from here. Um, do you have any kind of non-fantasy insights into why Maddie Gay is going to be an awesome pick? Yeah, I do. And one of the things about Maddie Gay is she was initially a midfielder, which is why she was listed as in the midfield last yeah. season. Played as a midfielder in her first season at Carlton. Played a fair bit through the midfield for the Ds in some of the earlier seasons. And with the development of some of their younger midfielders, Purcell, who we've talked a bit about, Eliza West as well, Tyler Hanks, they've been moving a lot of those more experienced players into other areas of the field. And it's one of the reasons they've been such a successful side is because they've got mm. experience and midfield now, I suppose, across the field. We've talked about Paxman, who's basically been one of the best midfielders for years, who's playing across half-forward. Daisy Pierce was playing as a forward pocket despite being, you know, one of the best midfielders to ever play the game. And now we've got Maddie Gay, who those three probably were the key three midfielders for the Demons, you know, three, four years ago, all of them moving out of that midfield and it's one of a flag. So that's one of the reasons I'm super interested in Maddie Gay and she's one of the most highly owned defenders in the game for a reason is because she just, she knows how to get the ball. She's got a calm head in that back line. We don't like making comparisons to the men's here, but for those of you who have played in the men's, it's like picking a player such as, and this is a bit of a throwback, is someone like a Matthew Boyd, where a very, very strong midfield player late in their career has moved into the back line and become a really interesting backline player. And that's exactly what Maddie Gay has done. I think she, one of the other reasons why she's such an interesting pick is I think she is actually a bit underpriced. Because if you mm. look at the way she was scoring towards the end of last year, she was scoring very consistently between sort of 50 and 60. That average of 60 could very easily be a sort of 65, 70, particularly if Melbourne aren't flying as well as they are because we mm -hmm. saw in some of the games where she didn't score as well, such as the West Coast game, the ball just wasn't down there. So she didn't have anything to do. Yeah. So with Maddie Gay, we almost want teams to catch up to Melbourne so she will score a bit better, but... The fact that she is a former midfielder means she'll always know how to get the ball. Pretty much an easy pick that she's going to do reasonably well. Yeah. So you've either got a consistent scorer for your back line that you kind of know what you're getting into, or if Melbourne do kind of slow down a little bit, you've got the potential for uh, a plus 10-pointer this season and exciting opportunity growth. So either way, works well. Yeah, for sure. So your number four is a player who I think a lot of people probably – have forgotten a bit about, to be honest. And mm. it's quite unfortunate because she has fallen out of sort of the collective AFLW minds a bit because of a, a very, very unfortunate injury 
Mel, can you fill us in a bit on your number four pick? Yes. So I actually believe I read some of your notes or Liam's notes that kind of re-sparked this idea. Thank you, Will. That was your notes uh, that gave this idea back to me. Eliza McNamara. So she missed season seven after a horrible back injury that she had, I think, about July this time last year, which knocked her out from gymnastics. Um, but she's she's coming back now for season eight. And so if we look at her season seven, she scored pretty consistently in the 60s. Oh, sorry, her season six. She scored pretty consistently in the 60s in a, in a band between 45 and 75. So that's a that's a pretty good uh, consistent range there and nice and high. However, she's coming in priced 40 at 41, which is pretty much outside of her consistency band. So you're pretty much guaranteed if she goes back with the fitness and athleticism that she had pre-injury that she's going to be raising that average in the first couple of weeks. Liv Purcell also mentioned uh, when she was going through, she didn't give a very straight answer for <laughs> her player to watch, um, but she named a few and especially the the vibe of how the ones that missed out on this premiership are coming back with drive and they're hungry and they want to get it again and they want their time. So I'm expecting here we've got uh, Eliza McNamara coming back, feeling great after injury and ready to be in another fantastic Melbourne side. So hoping that there's good upside in these points. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, we know that she can score 60 plus scores. I think this one, not necessarily from a fantasy sense, but just as a, from an interest sense is one where it's like, where does her return factor into Melbourne as a whole? Does it mean mm. that a player like Tyler Hanks gets pushed out of the midfield? Does she start as a forward? It's going to be quite interesting. And this is definitely a preseason watch how she f- slots into that team. Cause coming off a premiership, it makes sense that that team's going to be pretty hard to break into. Mm. especially a team that has such a strong core of midfielders as we've talked quite a bit about. Not only do you have those main ones, but you've got players playing on different lines who can also slot through there. Yeah. So that's going to be a really interesting one. And if she, uh, look, basically if she gets back on the park, that's fantastic news, Mm. not from a fantasy point of view, but just because of the, the terrible spinal injury that she did suffer. So we wish her all the best this season and hope that she can come back to, to play some really good football. But we know she can score fantasy-wise. So whether that becomes an immediate thing, whether she's eased back into it, it's going to change how we sort of pick her through the season. It might be that she starts playing a bit of limited minutes on the half-forward line, averaging a, probably around about that average and of 41 mm. that she's priced at, and you think, oh, probably not really worth it. But then if she comes really good in the back half of the season, that might be a value pick that gets you a bit of difference, particularly in the Marrera's Magic game where we expect that picking value picks is going to be slightly more important. She might be a, a real stepping stone player where you can make a few quick quick 100K, not, or if you're in one game, or if a quick couple of tens of thousands in the other. <laughs> make a quick buck, yep. trade her up to another player. Fantastic. So, yeah. yeah, all the best for Eliza, regardless of what happens in terms of fantasy. Yeah. It's an interesting problem to have at Melbourne, like you said, because you've got this really great team. You've got these players coming back in. New players have got a couple of recruits uh, coming through. How do they fit in? And especially when you've got midfielders everywhere, if you've got a player that's just slotting into the midfield, are they going to be rotating between the mid and the bench? Mid and a different position they're not as good at. Um, so that is, I guess, a flag, a little. <laughs> should we what? should we put a flag on it? Or? <laughs> definitely put a flag on it, Mel. If you're going to put a flag on it, I, I expect a country here. Okay, it's going to be a blank Bangladeshi, I'd say. Um, Ooh, one of yeah. my favourite go-tos. Lots of green, a little bit of red in the middle, which is just around time on ground. Mm, for sure. 
And uh, now we're going to move to our final player in your top five. You've gone with a rookie and someone who we've had a chat about a long, long time ago, actually. Mm. Number five. Yes. So this is a little uh, snap uh, flashback to the interview that we had with Mike Curran, who was talking through the Irish girls we've got coming over and the excitement around Amy Macken. Coming in as a forward uh, recruit, so rookie priced, over from Ireland, and she'll be joining her sister Blaith in the Ds. I think this is a really exciting player, firstly, because she sounds like she's full of energy, ready to go, heaps of skill. She's going to slot right in playing with her sister to hopefully have some link-up footy there, which is making me think lots of great scoring potential. There are a lot of really good basement prize forwards that we can be picking from. I mean, we've got even a couple of our other interview interviewees in that bucket, but I reckon that this is a good one to watch for some rev gen opportunities if you are thinking about rev gen in either game, but particularly in Marrera's Magic. Yeah, and also just... I think it does fall in the bucket of like, let's watch and see how this goes because of the flags we just raised around a tight knit group, new players coming in. How does that, how does that slot through when they do have so many high potential forwards or people that can also kick goals and go through that forward line? But, um, yeah, Amy Mackin. Yeah. I think one of the things about a player like Amy Mackin, we've talked a bit about this in some of the episodes previously for some of the teams, which is, She's a player that may not play early in the season necessarily, but if she gets a game, she might be a perfect downgrade target to get you a truckload of money from someone else who's earned you a bit of money. So yeah. I think it's a pretty pretty easy one to, to sit on your watch list and when she comes in, whether that's early or late, mm. you're probably going to be able to make some pretty easy money there. Absolutely. So over to, I would call this the Will special, but I can see that it's actually got down the Liam special. Uh, over to the host special. <laughs> what yeah, so this would normally be the Will special, but Liam was very insistent that I talk about <laughs> this player. So this is the Will Liam special. Ah. And the player that we're talking about is Talia Gillard. Mm. Talia Gillard, and we're going to talk about this mainly from the side of things, which is the official game. Yeah. Talia Gillard played pretty much the entirety of last season at full back for the Demons. Didn't particularly score that well, it must be said. Um, I'm pretty sure she only averaged something like 24, 27, sorry. I'm really underselling her. She <laughs> averaged 27 last season as a fullback. And we were all absolutely perplexed when the positions came out for the official game that had her listed as a ruck. Yeah. And Liam talked to this a little bit in our last episode, or in our episode where we talked a bit about the difference between the two games which is her VFL games were factored into that. And we're not quite sure why one game in the ruck in the VFL has trumped an entire season of playing at fullback, but that's a question for champion data, not us. Mm. Regardless, in that one game that she played in the ruck for Casey, Casey beat Darabin 130 to 8. <laughs> she was in the ruck, she had 40-plus hitouts and scored 111. Massive. Which is Maybe a massive she's game. Maybe very good at being in the ruck. Apparently new, new so. Position. And this is what Liam's super excited about, is that if she does somehow find herself back in the ruck, mm. whether it's because Lauren Pierce is slowing down, injured, something like that, Eden Zanker playing up forward more, if she finds herself in the ruck, we know she knows how to do it. And this is probably a more important thing for your Marrera's Magic game, where she is listed as a defender. If she does actually play in the ruck, there's some sort of upside. 
Now, my comment was, I'm not sure how much we can really take from a game where they did end up scoring a win by 122 points. I think that's probably one of those games where it you got to take the results with a bit of a grain of salt. The whole thing feels like a, uh, an anomaly. Yeah, it does feel a bit like an alum- anomaly. An- an anomaly. <laughs> an anomaly. An anomaly. Because it's also worth noting that there were several other players for the KC Demons in that game who did score over 100. You had Megan Fitzsimon, Sinead Goldrick, who was apparently playing in the midfield despite also being a defender in the Premiership team. Uh, Eliza West, who we know loves to absolutely dominate at VFL level. It was just... It was wild, to be honest, that game. And look, if she plays as a ruck, maybe you've got yourself a value pick there. It is really the specialist of specials here from... Yeah, this is a unique... If you see this player play in this specific position or get listed in this specific position, jump on him. <laughs> yep. Super speculative. If she just returns to playing fullback, fantastic for the Ds because it's part of the reason why they ended up winning the flag was such a strong, committed defence. I'm not sure if I'm willing to make a punt on it without actually seeing any game time. I probably wouldn't recommend this as a starting strategy, but if you see it, maybe it's going to be something worth jumping on. That's why it's a special. Super special. special. This is probably the most special special we've had yet, I reckon. (laughs) Oh, perfect. What a way to wrap up the premiership team. Like, you have to do something special. (laughs) So much to talk about in terms of Melbourne, though. They're a really fantastic side. It's why they won the flag. They've got star power on every line so you're probably going to be looking at least looking into a number of these players to fill into your team so you probably want to jump onto our socials check out our predicted best 21 see what you reckon you can find all of this stuff on instagram and twitter at freekickwpod follow us for more content we're very excited to present to you north melbourne next that's going to be another super episode with another super guest Mm. I've been Will. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WillH underscore VI. Mel, where can they find you? You can find me on Insta and Twitter at HiMelD. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been another Clubs in Days episode. We're getting through them. (laughs) Season's getting closer. Catch you next time. Bye.